You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. We are here. You are here on a Sunday after Thanksgiving. Good for you. I don't know about you. I have more butter inside my body than in a dairy aisle, okay? So good for you. You're at church. All right, but I'm excited to be continuing our series in the book of Daniel called Sovereign God, and I love hearing stories from different people about times that they got to meet someone that they really look up to, whether it's a personal hero, a childhood hero, maybe someone in their field or industry who's done great work, or maybe it's like a celebrity, a musician, and the reason I love hearing these stories is because I want to know how they reacted to meeting like their hero, you know? Like, did they play it cool? Were they like, what's up, man? You know, trying to trying to be friends with the person, or did they fangirl? You know, like these 12-year-old girls, when they meet One Direction, they're like, oh my gosh, you know? Like, how did they react? How, what was the response? I always thought I would be chill. You know what I'm saying? I always thought I would, make fr- I would become instant friends with the person I met uh, until I had the opportunity to meet, like, a, a personal hero of mine. Uh, it was the lead singer of a band called Switchfoot. You might have heard of them. This guy's music inspired me. Uh, the way he lived his life just pointed me towards Jesus. And so I got to meet him, like, really, really quickly in an interaction, shake his hand. And I thought I would be chill, and I fangirled hard, okay? Like, I word vomit, right? Like, I love you so much. And then... <laughs> You know? And then I shook his hand. I'm in the car on the way home. Like, I will never wash this hand. You know, like, and then I was like, okay, that revealed something in me. It was just like seven years ago, but it's revealed something in me. Okay, I got to work on some stuff because there's a white whale in my life. There's a person that I will meet one day. Not if, I will meet this person. And when I do, I got to play it cool. I might even pretend I don't know who they are just to really play it chill. Like, who, oh, I think I heard of you. Yeah. You know? But I always think about how those interactions, they're not like genuine, real interactions. Like you're just on a line of people waiting to meet and waiting to tell them how much you love them. Like it's just not a real, genuine interaction. Like I'd much rather sit down and have coffee with someone or have lunch with someone, you know, because then there you're going to learn the things about them that you can't read online. They're going to want to know about you as long as they're not the most like self-absorbed person in the world. It's going to be a real interaction, And in the passage that we're going to be in today, Daniel's going to have this crazy interaction, and it's easy for us as readers to kind of get caught up in what I call like the glitz and the glam of it all, and that'll make sense, but like there's some really like eye-catching, really cool stuff in this interaction, but when we get caught up in all of that, we miss out on some of the really ordinary, practical, beautiful things that God has for us. As believers, we're going to talk about that eye-catching, really cool stuff. We're not going to ignore it. It's in the scripture. We're going to talk about it. But I so badly don't want us to miss out on the really practical, beautifully ordinary things that God has for us. So that's where we're going. And I don't know what you walked in here carrying this morning. I don't know. When it comes to your relationship with the Lord, like where are you at? How is your time with him? How is your quiet time or your devotional time? Like maybe you're stuck in a rut this morning. You just feel like, ah, I, you know, I want to be close to God. I want to spend that time with him, but I just kind of feel stuck and I feel like it's not fruitful. Or maybe you're like, I just don't even know where to go. I don't know what, where to start. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get close to God. Maybe that you're at a point in life, a season where you just like don't even want to try because you're like hurt. 
you're grieving something, and so like, you just don't even want to try. What do we do when we get stuck in those places? Maybe you're carrying something even more fundamental than that. Like quiet time isn't even on your mind because the question you're wrestling with is, does God even care about me at all? And I know we've heard the like Jesus sayings, you know, like Jesus loves you, you know, but, but like at the individual level, does God care about me? Does he care that I exist? If I wasn't here, would it make any difference to the mind or the heart of God? Likewise, if I pray, are my prayers heard? Does anyone care? Like maybe you're wrestling through some of that this morning. One of the things I love about this series and about this book, Daniel, is it's taken us to places ranging from super practical to like super spiritual and kind of like mind-boggling stuff. Like we've talked about how to live counterculture in an anti-God culture, right? Like super practical. We've also looked at prophecies, including numbers that point forward to the Messiah, like really big, interesting stuff. And today is going to be no different. God is, and, and his word is going to take us to some really practical things. We're also going to talk about some real spiritual truths, and we're going to kind of get into the weeds a little bit. And the reason is because we've said this over and over, if it's in the scriptures, we're not going to ignore it. We're not going to breeze over it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to wrestle with it. And so we're going to do that today. And sometimes these spiritual things can get in our way a little bit. What I mean by that is often as believers, we tend to either overemphasize the spiritual and kind of obsess over them, or they freak us out, they scare us, they confuse us, so we just kind of ignore them and pretend they're not there. And we're not going to do either of those today. We're going to see what God has for us, not only in the practical, but in these spiritual truths If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're going to hear a lot today. Like I said, we're going to talk about time with God. What does that look like? Maybe that'll answer some questions for you or kind of get your mind moving in the direction that God wants a relationship with you. We're going to talk about spiritual stuff. Maybe that'll provide clarity for you. Maybe it'll answer some questions you might have. But if you're going to walk out of here having heard one thing, I want it to be a clear answer to the question, does God care about me at all? I want you to have the clearest possible answer to that question and what God wants for you and whether or not he cares that you exist, whether or not he hears your prayers, whether or not he sees you in the season that you're in. So we're going to be in Daniel chapter 10 this morning. Uh, we've talked about this a couple of times. Daniel is not told in chronological order. It bounces around at different points in Daniel's life. But Daniel 10 through 12 are the last parts of Daniel's story. Daniel is about 84. And I heard, I'm not going to name any names, but last week uh, someone may have said that Daniel was old. I will not be saying that. Daniel's 84 years young, okay? And you know what? I'm not going to lie. He's pretty spry for an 84-year-old, all right? I don't know that my back could handle half of the things that he went through as an older guy, all right? But um, he's about 84, and he's going to have another intense and amazing encounter, which is saying something because it feels like every time we see this guy, he's having an intense and amazing encounter with God. Now, personally, I might get to an age where I'd be like, that's enough for me. I don't know about you. I'd be like, I'm good. Can I collect my pension now? Like I've served my 30, I'm good. Can we find a replacement? But that's actually not what we see here. Daniel is gonna encounter an angel and he's gonna have this incredible encounter. And when we get to some of these verses, a lot of you are gonna be like, oh, this passage. 
because this passage comes up a lot when we talk about things like angels and demons, unseen realm, different things like that. When I was growing up, this passage would come up between me and my friends all the time because we went through a phase where we thought we were going to like crack the codes of the Bible. We were a humble group. We would type out like, you know, most confusing Bible passage and we were like, we're going to crack the code, you know? And uh, this is one of those passages that always came up. And originally, I was actually supposed to preach on Daniel 9. So months ago, Doug was like, hey, can you preach Daniel 9? I was like, sure. And then a few weeks later, he's like, actually, the schedule is going to work out better if you do 10. And I'm like, no problem. And he was like, actually, I'm really jealous that you get to preach Daniel 10 because it's such a great passage. I was looking forward to preaching it, but you got to go for it. And I'm like, oh, Doug, that's just so sweet. That is so sweet. And then I open the Bible and I see what Daniel 10 is all about. I'm like, thanks a lot, Doug. You know what it felt like? It felt like when a parent is giving their toddler broccoli, and they're like, yummy broccoli. I'm so jealous of that broccoli. (laughs) All jokes aside, though, this is an amazing passage. It is. We just got to be willing to tease out some of these spiritual truths. So are you up for it? Good. If you said no, I was just going to call the worship team back out, but you're up for it, so that's good. Chapter 10, starting in verse 1. In the third year of King Cyrus of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar. The message was true and was about a great conflict. He understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. I didn't eat any rich food. No meat or wine entered my mouth, and I did not put any oil on my body until the three weeks we're over. So this is taking place during the reign of King Cyrus. If you remember, Daniel is taken out uh, into captivity as a teenager into the land of Babylon. Babylon is a nation that does not like Daniel, does not like his people. If I'm a teenager being taken by God's, uh, taken by God's enemy into captivity, I'm thinking my days are numbered, right? Like I'm a teenager. What, what are they going to do? Not only is Daniel protected He's given a seat of influence. This is just mind-blowing about God's sovereignty. He's given a seat of influence and authority in not just one, but two different empires. So he's in Babylon, right? He he has a position of authority. Then there's a regime change. The Medo-Persians come in, and they take over. Do you know what happens during regime changes? Heads roll during regime changes. That's what happens. Like, people die. They just kill everyone. But not Daniel is kept not only safe, He's given another position of authority. Like, I just think about like D.C. Like down in Washington, one party takes over after another. They just fire everyone, clean house. Those are like fellow Americans. This is a completely new empire rolling in. But God's sovereignty protects Daniel. It gives him a seat of influence. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, like I think at 84, there might be a little bit of a temptation. Like check out a little bit. Like I'm just kind of being real. Like, you know... I'd want to retire. I'd want to know, like, where's the young prophets? Like can, we, like, can we get them up here a little bit? But that's not what these verses tell us. Like, he, he cares. He's deeply moved by this vision. I mean, think about it. He's 84 years old. He sees a vision of the future. He doesn't know when it's going to happen. We're going to find out later it's referring to the end times. But he doesn't know when it's going to happen. And he's deeply troubled by it. It's a future that he will likely never see. And he probably knew that. I'm in the last leg. I'm probably, this sounds like somebody else's problem. It's not my problem. 
But that's not his reaction. His reaction is care, concern. He's troubled for the next generation. I just wonder, for some of us, does our love for God translate to a love for God's people like Daniel's? Because Daniel loved the Lord so much that he had a care and a concern for a generation that he might not even ever meet. And some of us in the room, like we might be older, I'm not saying you're old, you're older, okay? And there are kids down the hall in 22.6 who are going to lead this nation one day. You might never see that, but do you care? Do you care about your role in, in pouring into that generation? Maybe you're younger. Like even for me, I get it. Sometimes I look at like Gen Z and I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we doing, guys? But like I got to pause and be like, no, 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 I have to care for this generation. Even when it feels like it's not my problem. Because a love for God's people, or a love for God, will translate to a love for God's people. It moves him to a place where he goes into like three weeks of praying and fasting. So I want to talk about praying and fasting. Last week, Doug uh, kind of began to talk about, began this conversation about praying and fasting. I want to continue it. So fasting, what is fasting? Fasting is the practice of abstaining from something, most often food, in order to strengthen and prioritize prayer. John Piper says this about fasting. Fasting is an intensification of prayer. It is a physical exclamation point at the end of the sentence. We hunger for you to come in power. It's a cry with your body. I really mean it, Lord. This much I hunger for you. Daniel fasted out of mourning. He also fasted to seek God in prayer for understanding. He wanted to understand the vision. He wanted to understand the mysteries of God. So he sought after God in prayer and through fasting. And so why might you want to fast? First of all, fasting has been vastly overlooked in our culture. It is almost a forgotten discipline at this point. But, but why might you consider fasting? One, to highlight an important prayer issue. So maybe there's something in your life that you've been praying for and you want to intensify that prayer. Healing for you or for someone in your life. Provision, deliverance from an addiction, praying for a missionary or for provision for the church, unity for the church. Like something in your life that you want to highlight and go after God in prayer for. Maybe from a more general perspective, you will fast just to orient yourself around God and spend time with him and just pursue presence with him. So does that mean there's like right and wrong ways to fast? Well, kind of. Um, we should always couple fasting with prayer. Fasting and prayer go together. I don't know if you've ever thought of it like this. If you fast, but you're not praying, you're actually just dieting. Not a bad thing to diet, like, but that's not fasting. Fasting doesn't give you special access to God. You're not receiving more blessing because you fasted. Fasting doesn't twist God's arm into getting your prayer at the top of his priority list. That's what the ancients did with their idols. It's not us. We don't fast to manipulate God. We don't fast to show other people how spiritual we are. That's what the Pharisees did. We don't gloat through fasting. We fast to pursue the Lord. Now, you might want to fast something other than food. It doesn't have to be food. Maybe you have a dietary thing or you can't do the whole fasting food thing. That's okay. Uh, maybe there's something in your life that you just see, I need to cut this out or at least a little bit, and I want to replace that thing with prayer, replace that thing with seeking God. And that's my recommendation to you, whether it's social media, entertainment, like music in the car ride to your work or your school, whatever it is, 
replace that thing with pursuing God's presence. Because here's the thing about food, and this is why food is like the most popular way to do it, because you can't ignore hunger. Once hunger pangs start, it's hard to get them to go away, and it's going to be in your face the whole time. And often what happens is people will be like, well, I want to fast Instagram. I spend too much time on Instagram, so let me fast Instagram. And then instead of going on Instagram, they go on Netflix. It's not fasting. And again, like, it's not wrong to say, oh, I see that I'm spending too much time doing this. Let me get rid of it. But replace that thing with a love for God, with a pursuit of God's presence. That is the heart of fasting. And always couple it with prayer. Let's talk about prayer, too. Maybe for some of us, especially when we talk about our time with God, our quiet time, maybe we ought to take inventory of our prayer life. Ask yourself some introspective questions about prayer. How do I view prayer? How would I define it? Do I merely pray before meals or pray before bed? Are my prayers simply asking God to do a bunch of things for me? Is that all my prayer life consists of? What do I think prayer is? If someone from work or school who knew nothing about God asked me why I pray and what it is, what would I say to them? Those questions will reveal what's going on in your prayer life. Uh, so let's talk about why do we pray and how do we pray? We get an amazing picture of this in Matthew 6. Jesus himself, we call it the Lord's Prayer, models this prayer for his people. He begins that prayer by praising God. Then he moves into surrender. He aligns himself with God's will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Then he expresses needs and he finishes by modeling repentance. See, it's so much more than just expressing needs or making requests. God wants us to make our requests known to him. He tells us that in scripture. It's not less than that, but it is so much more. Praise, surrender, repentance. And I think... There is this thing that happens when we get caught up in just only asking for God to do things. When that's all our prayer life is, there are some struggles that can kind of creep their way in. For me, one that has historically been tough is this question. Doug talked about it a little bit last week. If God is sovereign, why pray? See, because if prayer is simply asking God to do things, but God is sovereign, so whatever's going to happen is going to happen before the foundations of the earth were laid, his plans will come to pass. Like, why pray? And this would, this would cause so many issues in my brain. And I, and I realized I got to step back for a minute. It's not just about expressing needs. And so there's two answers to this question that I think are so crucial. The first is that God has graciously and lovingly invited us to be a part of his plan and his work through prayer. So I don't know mechanically how that works. I don't know like what is physically happening when I pray and it goes to the heart of God and it affects the heart of God. Like, I don't know all of that, but what I do know is God is sovereign, yet God wants us to make our requests known to him and he invites us into his work and his kingdom through prayer. That I know to be true. And I will trust God with the rest. But the second thing, and the thing I think is more important than that, is that prayer is about aligning yourself and your will with God's will. Prayer is about surrendering your will and aligning it with God's will. It is an exercise in sanctification, in becoming less like the old self and more like the new self, becoming more and more like God. And so... God wants you to make your request known to him. Don't, don't mishear me and think that I'm saying you shouldn't do that. But guys, if we're like missing out on the rest, 
the amazing things that God has for us in prayer, we're missing out on so much. God wants you to come to him and surrender and become more like him, like him in prayer. Enjoy his presence in prayer. A prayer that you can start praying right now that I think will actually drastically change not only the way you view your prayer time, but the way you view the world is a prayer called break my heart. It's really simple. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. This is a prayer I think Daniel had down pat. Because when you pray, break my heart for what breaks yours, you'll begin to see the world differently. You'll begin to see it through the lens of God's heart, not your own sinful heart, right? So, so the person that you would have judged or written off now becomes so worthy of love and affection. Uh, the situation that seems like not your problem all of a sudden hits close to home. The things that God loves, you will love. The things that God desires, you will desire. The things that God hates, you will hate because you'll become more like him. Daniel had this. His heart broke over the same things that broke God's heart. That's why he was moved for this generation that he would likely never meet because he had a love for God and a love for God's people. And sometimes it starts with a simple prayer, break my heart for what breaks yours. In the next few verses, Daniel is gonna go down to the Tigris River I think it's because he was going to do some water aerobics. I don't know. That's just hearsay. But um, he goes down, and while he's down there, he has this amazing vision of a man, of a figure in the sky. Okay, it is so captivating and terrifying that he literally, basically passes out. The men that are with him can't see what he sees, but even they're terrified and they run away. Now, many theologians and commentators agree that this is a Christophany. A Christophany is a physical appearance of the Lord Jesus pre-incarnation. We saw this also in the fiery furnace. Remember, there were four men in the furnace. That fourth, many agree, is a physical embodiment, a physical representation of Jesus pre-incarnate. He's there with them physically. And so Daniel sees this, he's terrified, and he basically passes out. And then in verse 10, it says this. Suddenly, a hand touched me and set me shaking on my hands and knees. He said to me, Daniel, you are a man treasured by God. Understand the words that I'm saying to you. Stand on your feet, for I have now been sent to you. After he said this to me, I stood trembling. Do not be afraid, Daniel, he said to me. For from the first day that you purposed to understand and humble yourself before God, your prayers were heard. I have come to you because of your prayers. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me after I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to help you understand what will happen to your people in the last days, for the vision refers to those days. So obviously, there's a lot going on here. If you have spent any time studying scripture, especially like stuff about the unseen realm, stuff about the spiritual realm, you've no doubt come across these verses. Stuff about the prince of Persia, right? These, these like kingdoms, princes, all this stuff. And we're going to talk about that, but let's not miss what God has for us here. Daniel is awoken by an angel, and the first thing he says to him, Daniel, you are a man treasured by God. It's the first thing. What if what God needs for you to receive this morning is that you are treasured by God, that you are a child treasured by God. And you might first write that off, like really the, the message today is Jesus loves you. But like seriously, what if in your heart you have just not been able to receive that you are treasured by God? 
You are loved by God. That he knit you together in your mother's womb. He created you in his image. He sent his son to die for you because he wanted you back. You are treasured by God. And some of us, we have this attitude like if God sent me an angel, the angel wouldn't say you're treasured by God. The angel would be like, why are you such a failure? Why can't you get anything right? Why are you such a waste of potential? God is just waiting for you to get your life together before he uses you. That's what some of us think God would want to say to us if he sent us an angel. And it's time to stop thinking that God is waiting for you to get your life together before he could pour out his love on you, his blessings, or use you. First of all, if he was waiting for you to get your life together, the standard would be perfection and you would never reach it. So that's out the door. He's not waiting. Whether you are as far away from him as you'd ever been or as close to him as you've ever been, he wants deeper closeness with you. He loves you. You are treasured by him. Maybe you just need to open your heart to receive that. Maybe for the first time, maybe you've been a Christian, but you just can't receive that truth because of the way you view yourself and the way that you were told by other people who you are. Maybe you need to receive that for the first time this morning. Then the angel says to him, your prayers were heard. I have come because of your prayers. So, so far, this angel has come to tell Daniel, um, you're treasured by God and your prayers were heard by God. God cares about your prayers. Some of us just need to hear that this morning. God hears your prayers and he cares about them. A lot of us are in on the like, God hears my prayers thing. But we kind of pray like he doesn't care, right? Like we pray like we kind of got to convince him to care about the things that we care about. Like, God, I know you probably don't care about this, but like, can you please do something? Right? Like, we don't have to convince God to care about the things that we care about. Now, I'm not saying God is like a Jets fan. I know a lot of prayers went up on Friday. That's not what I'm saying. But I, what I am saying is that God cares about the things you care about because he made you. And in the process of becoming more and more like God, you will see the things that you care about align with the things that he cares about. You will see the things on your heart be the very things on God's heart. And you'll see your prayer life, by the way, just explode and flourish when that becomes the case. One other thing we see about prayer here is that prayer in some way, shape, or form, exists in both a natural and supernatural plane of existence. And I know that kind of sounds weird, but we live in a world, we live in a natural world, but there also seems to be this spiritual realm that touches and mingles with our world, and our prayers have effects in both cases, right? So we pray something, we see the outcome in our natural world, that doesn't bother us. But also, Daniel's prayers had an effect on the unseen realm. Right? This angel says that he had been trying to come for 21 days, which also happened to be the exact same amount of time that Daniel was fasting and praying and seeking God, and he was held up. And so I say this not to like open a new can of worms on you, but to say and encourage you, you don't know what's going on in the unseen realm. And I know that that's like kind of a weird thing to say, and I don't mean to scare you, but like you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know what God and God's forces are doing. But we can trust God because he's sovereign and we know that his forces will prevail every time. And so when we talk about the supernatural, because we are going to talk about that Prince of Persia and we're going to get to all that. But before we do, that supernatural stuff, it can become really contentious for Christians. Because, first of all, we end up usually in one of two sides of the spectrum. We either end up like 
overemphasizing it and kind of seeing everything through a spiritual lens, or we like ignore it and pretend it's not there, uh, usually because it scares us or it confuses us. And part of the reason for this is because there is a lot of misinformation out there. Not trying to dog on anybody, it's just true. And so what I want to encourage you with, there's nothing wrong with wanting to learn. There's nothing wrong with seeing a topic that you're interested in and wanting to go deeper. My encouragement is hold the people that you listen to and read accountable to the scriptures. You can do that. You can read something and say, is this person being scriptural or biblical or not? And you could bring that to someone that you know or trust and ask their opinion. You know what else you could do? You could check that. This isn't a perfect system, but you can even check that what they say up against church history. Because sometimes the councils got together and said, this person is a heretic. And you know what? Sometimes they were right. And so you can even check that against church history. How is this received by the church, you know, over thousands and thousands of years? So I encourage you, man, check up on those people. We call it here... Eat the meat and spit out the bones. You know what I mean? Like you can take something from somebody but also acknowledge, hey, like, you know, but they said this and, and that doesn't seem biblical or, or that doesn't seem right. And have that discernment to do that. Um, so sometimes we overemphasize. Sometimes we go in the direction of seeing everything through this spiritual realm or spiritual lens. And I think the danger there is we fail to acknowledge it. Yes, sometimes things are spiritual. Sometimes there are spiritual ties to things that we're seeing in this world. Like, I believe that. I believe that, th- that at times illness or mental illness is spiritual. I also believe that at times it is just a result of our fallen world. And both can be true in different scenarios at the same time. So I encourage you, don't overemphasize it. But also don't ignore it. It can be easy for us in our culture, right? We have more information than ever at, the, at, the, at our fingertips, right, in our pocket. Science has never been more advanced than it is right now. We live in a highly rational culture. It's easy to just explain away supernatural things. Don't let yourself get there either. Acknowledge that it's real, that there's stuff going on that we don't see. And you know what? Just because science might have an explanation for something doesn't mean that that wasn't a move of God. Does that make sense? I actually think that's one of the most beautiful things about this world is when science catches up with the scriptures. And so I want to encourage you to be more like the apostles. The apostles give us a great picture of how do we deal with this because they knew and they recognized that there is a spiritual realm and that it's real and that the enemy is real, yet they didn't obsess over it. They did not want their readers to obsess over it. Rather, they obsessed over the mission. Spread the gospel make disciples. So if you're going to obsess over something, obsess over that. It's real. We can't ignore it. We also can't let it distract us. Now, at this point, Daniel is very weak. And I'm going to do some summary of the next few verses. He's very weak. Um, He's having trouble even speaking. And the angel is actually going to touch him and give him strength. And I just think it's so amazing because, again, now we've seen this angel come to do three things so far. Encourage Daniel, give him strength, and provide understanding for him. And I think some of us would love to be strengthened, whether physically, emotionally, spiritually. We just would love to receive strength. And we wish that we had this interaction that Daniel had. Like, how cool would it be if an angel came and gave me strength? What a fun fact that would be for my next community group. Like, what's a fun fact about you? I met an angel named Fred. We hang out on the weekends. Like, that would be fun. But the truth of the matter is, you and I have something much better than what Daniel got. 
If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You carry the presence of God with you every single day. Daniel would be jealous of you. He'd be like, hold on, you have the presence of God with you? How are you alive? Right? Like he would be like, I can't even look towards the heavens and, and stop myself from passing out. You have God's presence with you all the time? You want to be comforted? You need to be reminded that you're treasured by God? Jesus calls the Spirit the comforter. Does God care about you? Does he hear your prayers? Paul says the Spirit intercedes for you in Romans 8. Does God care? I'm weak. I'm in need of strength physically, spiritually, emotionally. Also in Romans 8, Paul says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In Ephesians 3.16, it says that we are strengthened with power in our inner being through his Spirit. You need strength? It's available to you. Do you desire deep understanding for the mysteries of God? 1 Corinthians 2 talks about how the Spirit provides understanding for the mysteries of God. Both James and Proverbs talk about how wisdom comes from God, and God gives wisdom to those who seek him. You and I have something so much better than an angelic appearance. Although it has the glitz and the glam to it, right, we have something better. Let's not miss out on that. Let's... Let's take advantage of that. Let's, let's walk in step with the Spirit this week. Finally, in verse, starting in verse 20, the angel says this, Do you know why I've come to you? I must return at once to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I leave, the prince of Greece will come. However, I will tell you what is recorded in the book of truth. No one has the courage to support me uh, against those except... Uh, against those princes, except Michael, your prince. In the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to strengthen and protect him. So we've talked a little bit about that spiritual realm. I do want to talk about who those figures are and what that means for us specifically, because it can be a little bit confusing. Obviously, it's not all explained here. So we have three different figures mentioned. We have uh, uh, Michael, and then we have the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. We'll start with Michael because he is the easiest. Uh, Michael is called the chief prince. Michael's also referenced in the book of Jude, short little book in the New Testament. Verse 9, Jude calls him an archangel. So chief prince, archangel, same thing, I guess, okay? And um, this means that he holds some kind of position of authority over other angels, right? He's a chief prince, while the other ones are called princes, and uh, he's an archangel, while the other ones are called angels. So I guess he has some kind of authority, some kind of position of superiority over these angels. And he also says, he calls him your prince. He looks at Daniel and says, your prince, which I think means, and many think mean, that Michael had some sort of responsibility to the nation of Israel, whether he was a representative of or a messenger to, he had some kind of responsibility to the nation of Israel. Now, what about the princes of Persia and Greece? I will give you two theories. They exist on polar opposite ends of the spectrum, and then I'll kind of tell you what I think. Um, so first, many have called these princes territorial spirits. Now, what that means is that the, these would be demonic spirits who have dominion both spiritually and politically over physical areas of land. Now, this, I know that sounds kind of like creepy and scary, but, but this actually isn't without any biblical merit. In Deuteronomy 32, uh, it talks about how God portioned out the nations among the sons of God and took the nation of Israel for himself. So, so this might have some merit. On the way other end of the spectrum, 
Others have theorized that this is actually just a purely natural thing. Like it's talking about evil men who are in power. And some have gone so far to say the prince of Greece is actually Alexander the Great, who would bring about the greatest empire that the world had ever seen. And so you have these two different theories. And guess what? You can fall on either end of the spectrum, and you're still welcome here. It's going to be great. No worries there. But where I end up falling is I think it's pretty clear that these are spiritual beings. These are probably demonic spirits. Okay, because the word princes, it's, it's kind of nodding towards, you know, Michael's called a prince, and then these are called princes. So I think that these are demonic spirits. Anything more than that, I'm not sure. I really, I'm not. I, I don't know about territorial spirits. I don't know. But what I do know is that these demonic spirits were trying to thwart the plans of God, and they will fail like every other plan to thwart the plans of God. They will fail every single time. You can take comfort in that. They will fail. No matter what you think about them, no matter who you think they are, they will fail because our God is sovereign and he wins. Just simply, he wins every time. That's it. And so Paul actually acknowledges this in Ephesians 6. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. So, so Paul's saying our, our battle isn't really even against humans. It's against forces of darkness in the heavens. That's pretty intense. But what's his answer? Is it to obsess over it? No. Is it to ignore it and say it's someone else's problem? No. His, actually, his direct answer is to put on the armor of God is to put on truth and righteousness and the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the word of God. These are Paul's solutions to that problem. And guess how he ties it all together in verse 18? With prayer. He says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. We fight our battles through prayer and dependence on our sovereign God. Are you grieved like Daniel was grieved? Prayer and dependence on God. Are you weak and in need of strengthening? Prayer and dependence. Do you desire understanding for the deep mysteries? Prayer. And do you see where I'm going with this? Uh, are you worried about the spiritual realm and all the darkness and all that's going on there and it's confusing and it's scary? Prayer and dependence on our sovereign God. So what can you Walk away this week and start doing differently. For some of us, that's in our time with God. Maybe we need to evaluate our time, evaluate our prayer life, and, and take that time to kind of grow in our prayer life and, and seeking out God's presence. So for some of us, that means adding times of praise into our prayer life or adding times of just surrender Breaking out of the routine of just constantly asking God to do things over and over. Consider using resources to aid in your time with God. Like pray through the scriptures. The most powerful resource available to you is the word of God. Like open the Psalms and just pray through the Psalms. More than that, there's the Book of Common Prayer, which is like a somewhat ancient text of, of just prayers for God's people. You can use that. Pray through those daily. There's an app that I've been using. I can't recommend it enough. It is called Lectio 365. It's based on this ancient technique called Lectio Divina. It means divine reading. That's literally what it means. It takes a small portion of scripture. You read it multiple times. You meditate on it. It guides you through prayers. It's amazing. Lectio 365. It's every morning and every evening. 
Like, use resources to bolster up and strengthen your time with the Lord. We also talked about fasting. Maybe you will implement fasting into your, day, into your routine. Maybe you'll fast one day a week or, or one, you know, a couple, couple days a month or something like that. Maybe you'll fast with other people. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, my wife and I, we fasted with our community group. Every Wednesday, we would fast until 5 p.m. And not only did it bring us all closer to the Lord, it brought us all closer together because we had that camaraderie in doing it. Like maybe your family or your community group will decide to do that. Maybe you'll fast food. Maybe you'll fast something else. You'll just always remember, always couple it with prayer and seeking God's presence. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I know that we went a bunch of different ways this morning. Talked about spiritual stuff, talked about prayer, fasting. But I hope that you heard the answer to the question, does God care that I exist? Because the answer is a resounding yes. He cares for you. He treasures you. I can say that with full confidence without knowing any of your story, any of your past mistakes. I can say it because I know two things to be true. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. He created you in his image. You are a reflection of him. And he sent his son Jesus to die to atone for your sins and to get you back. Like, do you know that you were, you were gone? You were like resigned over to evil. But God wanted you back. And so he came and he died for you so that he could have you back. Amen. And so let's remember this morning that we fight our battles through prayer and dependence on our sovereign God. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for your word that instructs us, it guides us. It reveals amazing truths from the ordinary things to the extraordinary. And I pray, Lord God, that each heart here this morning was, was just able to receive what it is that you had for them. Maybe it was about their time spent with you, God, that they were able to receive that. Maybe it was just the simple truth that they are treasured by you, that they would receive that. I pray, Lord God, that you'd guide us through an ever-changing culture, an ever-changing world, and yeah, through some spiritual realities that are sometimes tough to come face to face with, but that we would do it in stride, putting on the armor of God and being constantly in prayer and dependence on you. If you want to know a little bit more about what it means to follow Jesus, if you want to take that step or, or maybe just have questions about what that looks like, we're going to have people up here who would love to pray with you. I'm going to be right up here. And then after service, Doug and I will be in the hallway. Uh, you can come find either one of us. We would love to just talk with you, pray with you, um, if that's something that you're looking for. But if that's you, I just want to pray for you right now. Lord, would you just nudge the heart of the person who's wondering if you're there and if you care? And would you just remind them, maybe during this song, that you just, that you're there, that you care. That they're treasured by God, by you, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that it would become crystal clear in this moment. Lord, we love you. Pray all this in your name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to go into a time of worship. And like I said, a few of us will be down here at the foot of the stage. We'd love to pray with you.